This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast for the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. I'm Andrew. And we have two special guests. Introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Gwen. I'm a special guest. <laughs> and I'm Frank, and I'm a more special guest. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, and they are our friends from the Librarian is in podcast from the New York Public Library. Thanks for coming down to Philly, guys. Oh, thanks for having us in Philly. I love it. We're, into it. <laughs> We're here. Are, like obsessed with Philly now. Don't kind tell of. New York. I am. Yeah, no, I am kind of obsessed with Philly now. I want to buy a house here. Right, we're That's all going to move goal. in with Craig into his basement. Yes, yes. <laughs> or or the extra floor, <laughs> the, the extra now. floor that Andrew had. <laughs> Your floor is so extra. I know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so on our show every week, we talk about a book. You guys talk about a book or two most weeks. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking about Peyton Place by Grace Metallius. Metallius Metallic. Grace Metallica. Grace Metallica. She's Master very litigious. Puppets. Yeah, <laughs> she's very litigious. She hates file sharing services. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're gonna talk about this book, and then we're we're you know we're gonna talk about how it set the world on fire. Well, what is the subtitle on this co- on the copies we oh, have? That's a yeah, the blockbuster novel that shocked the nation. <laughs> there you go. I already have things to say. Like, did it really shock the nation? I guess it did. Yeah, I bet shock it did. The nation. I think the nation was easily shocked back then. <laughs> I, guess I don't so. think it took a lot. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> I, I'm very eager to hear Andrew's portion of this because I want to know more about Grace Metallius and about why this book was so shocking. Right. I think you're launching into that now, right? Okay, yeah. sure. Okay. <laughs> Launch. So we'll talk a little bit about Grace Metallius, who was born in 1924, died in 1964. Um, very poor for most of her childhood and, and young adulthood. Like she was, she was her. She was born into what, like a broken home. The the Wikipedia page yeah, was not like specific about dad, how it was broken. I think her but her dad may have left and then died when she was ten or sure. something. She, up in New Hampshire. So that she was born and then later died in New Hampshire. And this book is in basically small town New Hampshire. I don't think it ever mm. names it. It it doesn't. I think no. there were there were some towns that that they they know they know they were the. There's Peyton a lot Place of references town. about yeah. being oh. able to see Vermont. Yes. So I was assuming it was New Hampshire the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Everybody in the New movie Hampshire. speaks with these vaguely like Kennedy esque. Yeah. Oh, really? pack the that pack the cat. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite scene in the Academy Award nominated movie of Peyton Place. Pack, pack the cat. Is there really a scene? <laughs> well, they talk about fooling around in the cat sometimes. Oh, but so the movie has too? accents too? The movie has some, yeah. <laughs> Did you wait, Craig, you didn't see the movie. No. So how do you, oh, he's, <laughs> just, laughing he's just laughing at my dumb stuff. <laughs> what else do you know about Grace Sandra? Um yeah, so there are there are bits in the book right about like tar papered shacks, like people living mm-hmm. in poverty. And I think that was f- pretty representative of her experience growing up. But um Was she one of the people in the tar paper shacks? Yes, yeah. Um, Interesting. Okay. So she uh Shack she people. <laughs> call them in the book. Yeah. Living yeah. on the other side of the tracks. Yeah. Um 
she was so yes yeah, she she wrote from a pretty young age but did not start working on the manuscript for Peyton Place until like 1954-55 when she was around 30 um the working title sucked it was the tree and the blossom yeah which is just not a great title not a, no she she had gotten married i think when she was 18 mm-hmm. uh to George Metellius her her original name is uh Marie Grace Rapig Rap- Rapinti, I think it's French. Yeah, R- Rapinti. I remember reading that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and she, I think there's like an apocryphal story about her and her husband George, like trying. It was originally called Potter Place, and they like. Were oh, like, the, yeah, they were looking. The real town. They were looking through a phone book until they found a name they liked. So they found the name Peyton, like Peyton Manning, and then changed oh. it from an A to an E. Peyton Manning. But then there are other things that just say the publishers changed yeah, it. The, so I don't know which one is the real story. No. I did find that she had an agent named M. Jacques Chambrun. Right. She chose Lord. because it was out his of a French book. name. She had a French name. I read that too. And she wrote him a five page letter about how much she wanted to be a writer and sent him a different book that was bad. So he didn't do anything with it. And then he did pushed this book and finally got it published yeah he, um, he sent it to a few publishers um it was considered too steamy for the big publishers at the time but there was a um there was a freelance editor named leona neveller uh who was working at lippincott who discovered it and then like connected them with people at the publisher julian messner and then they ended up publishing it yeah i um, think it was at a job interview she was like have you heard of this wild book <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was that. That's and then she she lived pretty hard and become going from being poor to being suddenly rich but, can be hard on people because you know yeah. they don't have experience the managing money huge. and people take advantage of them. Yeah, it was on the New York Times bestseller list. Like it didn't get reviewed super well, but it was on the bestseller list for fifty nine weeks, which is wild. It yeah. sold millions and millions of copies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, just busy shocking the nation. <laughs> <laughs> so like her her post book launch life like started with a her relationship with her husband breaking up because like their town sort of knew that it was Peyton Place <laughs> and we'll get into what that means and why a little later um but like her her husband wasn't re-signed to his teaching job and then he like skipped town and she was left like behind with her kids and then she started dating a DJ and he introduced her to all sorts of people that helped her spend her money. Oh, I bet they and did. And then she finally got divorced when her husband snuck into her house while she was asleep with the DJ, took a photo of them, and said, yo, adultery is illegal. We're getting divorced, and you're paying for my master degree, which she did. Whoa. I got this information from... There's a Vanity Fair article from 2007 called Peyton Place's Real Victim, yeah. which is based on a biography of her. Uh, and that was that was almost a that was almost a movie. They almost made a movie with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, right? there was yeah, and then oh, her life has Grace Metalius. Wow. Yeah. Um, was the the book I found was called Inside Peyton Place: The Life of Grace Metalius mm-hmm. by yes. Emily Toth. Emily Toth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so yeah, it's this like super scandalous book that then like spawned a movie that Andrew watched, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about. I didn't read the book. I watched the movie. Everyone right. else read the book. So right. I'm yeah. alone in my like very sanitized <laughs> cinematic <laughs> experience Hollywood life. Over here. We're yeah. going to bring you the real deal. <laughs> right. But you've seen the movie, right? I've Frank seen, the movie. seen the movie. Yeah. And Frank, did you suggest this book? Yeah. Yeah. This is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> what did you know about it? So you had seen the film. 
Yeah. Okay. I was in in the in a book discussion in New York and with my book discussion group and someone in the group like we always like to like sort of like you we like to read books that you should have read in high school or college or, or once you were in a supposed while, or, to read yeah. or a phenomenon <laughs> mm-hmm. like you're going to be doing soon. Mm-hmm. I won't mention it if you don't. You don't keep it's it. It's fine. You're we we, we have a schedule. And so, Pace Place was <laughs> one of those like phenomenons that shocked the nation. And I thought, like, what? Well, why not? I want to see. Like, <laughs> is it shocking? Is it? Does it hold up? What exactly is so shocking about it? So that I thought I'd throw it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because it was right on my mind. But, you know, it wasn't we had to. But I'm glad you decided to do yeah. it. I hope so. Mm-hmm. It spawned like a bunch of... It was a big was hit a, 60s TV show. Yeah, it was a hit 60s TV show. She wrote a sequel, Return yeah. to Peyton Place yeah. in 59, which... Apparently... <laughs> which is also a movie. <laughs> Apparently it yes, sold right. well... But she was pretty far gone in alcoholism and her life kind of spiraling out of control. So the first draft was like unintelligible and they had a ghostwriter. Oh, really? That That, that was from the story that I read. So maybe that cited from the Toth book. Maybe that's not true. Yeah. Like the rest of her. I have Return to Peyton Place in 59, The Tight White Collar in 61, and No Adam in Eden in 63. And as far as I know, those Hmm. second two were not part of the Peyton Place extended universe. Um, yeah, and then in in great 16, titles though. Yeah, the tight white the collar. Tight white no collar. Adam and Eden. What does that mean? Um, that sounds like a, the name of like an old Star Trek episode. The tight um, white collar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then in 1964, uh, due at least in part to cirrhosis of the liver, yeah. brought on by a life of heavy drinking, uh, she passed away. And when she died, um, she had debts well in excess of $200,000, which in today's dollars is $1.5 million um, because she managed her money poorly and also one of her agents was embezzling mm. money from her. Yeah, so. and she oh. like got in a relationship with a reporter like right before she died and signed a will where what all of her debts and money went to him. Uh-huh. And then the family sued to get it back, but basically all they got was debt. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they discovered how much yeah, debt there was until they cleared that whole thing up. But yeah, it's it's not a not a happy story. Wow. Well, what Poor did you? Grace fi- Italius. Yeah. What did you? Yeah. What did you find out about Grace herself, Andrew? Like, like what her personality was that made her want. First of all, she wanted to write, but what made her want to write this book? Um, Did you I discover mean, anything like that? Like what her motivation was? I mean, I think it's a lot of the stuff in the in the book is just based off of. So I have again, like what may be an apocryphal quote about naming it, and she's talking to her husband, and the quote is, "Wonderful, that's it, George Peyton Place, Peyton Place, New Hampshire, Peyton Place, New England, Peyton Place, USA. Truly, a composite of all small towns where ugliness rears its head and where people try to hide all the skeletons right. in their closets. Mm-hmm. So that I, if I had to." guess like i didn't find a lot of specific stuff about what was driving her but i think the 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 hypocrisy and the the sniping that happens in these towns and then the kind of town that she lived in all of her life was um was what kind of inspired this and, and drove her to yeah. write it i'm looking at the the vanity fair article right now it talks about she had dreamed of a different life for herself this is an article by michael callahan Dreamed of a different life for herself, a life of romance and adventure, a life all little girls dream of. Escaping a troubled home to sneak off to her Aunt Georgie's bathroom, she would lock the door, sit in the tub for hours, putting those dreams to paper by scribbling tales of heroines and dashing princes. Uh, And then while her husband was, uh, he served in World War II and then was getting his degree on the GI Bill, she would lock their children out of the apartment so that she could write. Yeah. 
Um, and then eventually it, that turned into Peyton Place. Um, so, yeah. And wow. I think she had, she had a reputation of kind of like talking about sex a lot and being this kind of brassy housewife. Right. Um, that I think the marketers latched onto. But then whenever she was on TV, it was always kind of awkward for her. Um, she had a lot of like she would coin a bon mot. And then, like, reporters would have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I don't know why I'm writing in the air right now. Bon uh, You've bon also done a lot of French. Bon 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 <laughs> he took several years of French in high school, 100 years well, ago. You your your accent is perfect, impeccable. I can't even tell. Oh, mon Dieu. Bon uh, you flat me, mon Dieu. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Greg here. Andrew doesn't like it when I do my radio voice, so I'm just going to try and do any old radio voice that comes to mind. We've got another podcast to tell you about this week. It's called But That's Another Story from Macmillan Podcasts. Stories are powerful. They can move us emotionally, move us to act, and if you ask Will Schwalbe, they can change our lives too. Will is the best-selling author of the End of Your Life Book Club and Books for Living, and he's got a new podcast called But That's Another Story, where he talks to notable people about the one book that changed them. You can hear from Minjin Lee, Sam Sanders, Josh Gondelman, Katie Couric, they just did an episode with Julie Bunton, um, about the stories and the characters that help them find their way in the world. Uh, you can listen to, but that's another story, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. You can subscribe, find it wherever you listen. All you have to search for is, but that's another story. I think that's it for this week. Enjoy the rest of our episode with our friends from the New York Public Library, Gwen and Frank, and we'll see you next week. get into the book yeah. some of the other background stuff might come up uh as we go and then andrew will will hit some spots where maybe it might make sense to touch in on what happened with the movie yeah, yeah and yeah. the background of the film because that I think was a the shape the shape of the story is pretty much the same but the particulars are super super different right yeah sure 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 i mean i think like the book was interesting too because it's like the first one of the well, not, not the first but one of the first that is still talked about today that of those scandalous sexy books like the kind of book that as a teenager then you would have tried to get your hands on and everyone would talk about that one page it sure. seems and literally there's like three pages maybe and that's it <laughs> of like sex stuff yeah. um but it like a progenitor of like jackie collins i'm thinking or jacqueline suzanne who did value the dolls oh sure and one of the things I I feel like I've noticed about this is that in those books, and I've read them to see what they're about, like see what Jackie Collins is, see what Valley is all about, see what Peyton Place is. All the character, there's a coarseness to everyone. There's like there's and like as opposed to the Hollywood versions, there's mm-hmm. no one you could really look at and say oh, that's a kind, good person. And then makes and and I was like thinking that's not it doesn't feel good to read that. And I was like, does it exist in life though? Mm-hmm. Like. Can you point and someone say that's a kind, good person? Is everyone maybe a little bit this way or is it a frail frailty of the writing? So you are sitting in my house right now and I'm like, what <laughs> skeletons are in my exactly. closet <laughs> that I can keep them from seeing? Oh, yeah. We haven't seen the cellar yet. Um, so, that's where all the skeletons are. I don't know. Anyway, I just thought I'd start off with that because this was to be this shocking book and everyone is sort of like... Like yeah. when you were saying, who's your favorite character? No one. Right. right. There's a real, there's a real scarceness of likable characters in this book, which like I think is actually kind of brave. The more I hear about Grace Metalius, the more I like her. 
I for the first like fully 250 pages of this book, I had no idea what to make of it. Like it feels like there's nobody to root for. There the she's writing pitilessly about these characters, like mm. just totally unflinching, negative. There's very few redeeming qualities that she is trying to sort of draw out of any of them. And as Andrea, as you were talking, I was thinking like I wonder if Allison McKenzie, who's arguably the main character mm-hmm. of the book, who is a a young girl when it starts, um, born to a mother who has moved, who had gone to the city and then moved back to Peyton Place with uh, Allison as an infant. And the big secret. Okay, now we're going to get into the spoilers. But it's like the premise of the book. It's okay here. It is the premise of the book, right? I'm paranoid about it now. So (laughs) we're on overdue. It's okay. Major spoilers. Your audiences love it. Okay. Um, (laughs) They, so her mother, Allison McKenzie's mother, Constance, um, was in, was having an affair with a married man and became pregnant with Allison. The guy who she was having the affair with was also named Allison yeah, McKenzie. Guess, yeah. And then she named her daughter Allison McKenzie. And then she was petrified that everyone would find out. Wild. Seems <laughs> I've like done, a clue. I've done such a thorough job covering my tracks. <laughs> That's tr- <laughs> like, yeah. You're right. It seems that a little confusing. something that if that was done now, it's like someone could just Google <laughs> Allison McKenzie and find out the guy's married. Right. And because she but named like, her daughter the same name of the guy right. she had the affair with who's married. And then she spends literally the entire book until the last like 100 pages or right. so being terrified that someone will find out so there's like a gilmore girls relationship that i identify <laughs> between the two of them we'll talk about but she's got this I like think i, I like allison better than rory but <laughs> oh, oh those are uh, fighting words right there she's got this plan that when she turns 18 like fake 18 or for real 18 yeah, she's, she's lying, about, lying her about her age, age too her age, that then she'll tell her as if that makes a difference uh, and Allison obviously has this like built up idea of who her dad is. Mm-hmm. Now, do you from from like early on in the book? Do you when do you find out the secret of very Allison's early? Very early. That's okay, the thing. So, it's not yeah. a revelation, but Allison doesn't find out till later. But right. we, the reader knows. In right the movie, you don't find out till Allison finds out. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So huh. so the beginning of the and and this is part of I think why some of the characters are more likable in the movie than in, in the book. But in in, in the beginning. She has like a picture of her dad on the mantelpiece and, yeah. like, on her way to That's school same. every day. She like stops and, and she kisses right. it. And it's supposed to be very like mm-hmm. sweet. Oh, you missed your dad, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we don't find out this like nefarious side until her mom is like upset with her. Yeah, that's how that goes. Down. Mm-hmm. Out sure. later, yeah. Which is, yeah. So the three like main characters and uh, the, the, it treats all of the characters like this like town. Like Peyton Place is a character, this small town in what we know to be New Hampshire. Um, but it's Allison McKenzie, her mom, Constance McKenzie, and her friend, Selena Cross. And they're like the three main women that we meet. And we every chapter we spend with like a different, over a different character's shoulder mm-hmm. in like an ensemble cast, in right. like a David Simon show sort of way. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm just pulling all the references to help yeah, all the do people. But those are like the three big ones, right? Right. right. Yeah. But we do see a ton of supporting characters who are really, sometimes really feel like filler a little bit in the book where you're like, why am I hearing about the doctor again? Like, But then it she does kind of tie it all together eventually. Right. But there's a lot of threads that she's pulling here. It's very much like vignettes of this t- of the people in this yeah. town. Like we, the movie is two hours and 40 something minutes long, which is a lot. <laughs> um, and, and like an hour and a half in, we're like, okay, a lot 
my wife and I were watching it last night and like a lot has happened, but I don't know what the through line is yet. Mm -hmm. And it does get tied together at the end, but it's all the way at the end. Like the, the big like trial scene, which I assume happens in the book too, is like the last like 15 or 20 minutes of the movie. And it's not until then that all like different threads come together, but yeah. And it's set in, it's like three different, is it three different books or four different books? Cause it's like three different time periods. Like I think it's three. Yeah. 37, mm-hmm. 39, 44. and 44. Mm-hmm. 43, 44. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The movie so, is during the war. Compressed. Yeah. It's like right before Pearl Harbor and then Pearl Harbor and then right yeah. after Pearl Harbor. <laughs> like, I love that about movies. The movie was 1957 and they all are dressed in 50, 1957 <laughs> fashion. It's like Lana Turner does not look like 1940. <laughs> I love that about Hollywood. It's like, oh, okay. That's so much Rivera similitude. But um, yeah, so you have those three characters for sure and mm-hmm. then lots of subsidiary mm-hmm. ones I mean I think she, she sometimes actually does a better job with, with describing some of these strange in well written vignettes Not the writing isn't consistent mm-hmm. all the way through but like these vignettes of these other characters I mean I don't know if you yeah. want to continue your no, through line with go. the three I mean like Selena Cross is on the wrong side of the track she lives in a shack she's her father's a or stepfather is actually a big drinker and mm-hmm. works in the mill or he's like car- no, he doesn't work in the mill he's like a carpenter handyman he's a mess guy he's a mess her mother is beleaguered a house cleaner um also a mess. cleans constance and allison's house who is uh, um constance runs a ladies and men's eventually clothes shop but um and all their friends and relations and i feel like there's that whole like uh, <laughs> norman yeah, Norman. What Norman Page, Page Norman is Page. Allison's friend. They're like twelve or thirteen at the beginning, and you know Norman's very like under the thumb of his mom. His mom, there's no dad. Yeah, and uh, everyone in he town likes his mom a lot. Everyone oh, in yeah. town talks about how she breastfeeds her twelve-year-old boy, and I don't think that she does, but like metaphorically, she does. Yeah, which is a great thing to bring up because you're bringing up a personality. And a relationship, but how the town gossips about All it. And that's yeah, a through yeah, line yeah. of the whole book about how everyone talks about everyone else and makes decisions about them and it makes it negative. And, and whenever they want to, like, if someone wants to haul out something against Allison, if they're fighting with Allison, they'll be like, well, your friend Norman's still at the breast of his mother. And, <laughs> and you know, it's, and she's like, he is not, he is not. But there is that scene with Norman, who's like clearly very much involved with his mother in some ways. Uh, hiding under the porch of the old spinster lady oh, house. That's, like, that's really late in the book. So we're going to jump around because there's no other way to tackle this book. Sure. But there's a vignette where he's hanging out at the cat right. lady's house. He is discovered. I don't, even, I don't even get a cat lady. He, I know. <laughs> he's not in the book. In the movie. He has discovered that the cat lady likes to sit on her porch and like peep show her neighbors. She's basically watching her neighbors. Yikes. Like who are like the woman is like eight months pregnant, yeah. but they're going for it. They're going for it. And she's and watching it. She's watching. And he's like stuck under her porch. Yeah. And then she dies. Then she dies <laughs> in the rocking chair. Yes. While she has he is there. One of her cats on a leash. And I, I yes. guess because she's dying and she's, she's hardening, so to speak. She's strangling the cat. Well, and no, Norman is under the porch. And the, the cat is making the cat is making so much noise that Norman is scared he's gonna get caught, so he strangles the cat. Oh he kills God. the cat. Yeah, that sucks. This yeah. book is wild. That doesn't happen insane. in the movie. In the movie, there's there's pretty much one character who represents all the gossiping that happens. 
Oh, really? really? Which yeah, character? Yeah. I don't even remember what her oh, name really? was. She's just, she's just like a, a severe-faced old woman who... Like, is it, like, it Marion Partridge? Or? I do not remember. Oh, is that order. the wife of the lawyer? Yeah. yeah. The I, bet, I, bet that's, I bet she's, that's who She was not happy with anybody. Oh, um, the Page sisters... sisters. Norman Norman has these two half sisters who are like in their forties, and they're these like, oh, it's so appalling that they're these maiden aunts yeah, who no, live they, together. They aren't really in the movie either. But yeah, yeah when, it's, it's can you can you uncork the bottle that I just saw you bring onto the table, which is like <laughs> your uh, feelings about the world of this book, perhaps? Yeah. So, <laughs> I, it's hard to know where to start with this book. So, as I said before, it's really hard to know in the beginning if this is a feminist book if it's an anti-feminist book Mm -hmm. the women are just treated absolutely mercilessly the same way that the men are i mean i think that the author was quite even-handed in that actually but the idea that this is like a scandalous sexy book about female sexuality to our contemporary eyes is completely insane Mm -hmm. like there's so much punishment for sex there's so much punishment for being a terrible mother there's so much punishment for like everything that women do in this book Mm -hmm. that it's really it's a stretch to think of it as like this proto-feminist novel which is really what i thought we were getting into when we were reading this Mm -hmm. because it has three mostly independent women mm-hmm. characters at least as the book starts mm-hmm. you know you got two teenage girls who are going to have some sort of arc and right. grow into themselves and you've got this independent woman constance who is defined by a secret man for the most part but she's trying to live her life she runs a business mm-hmm. and yeah at every turn dudes do terrible things uh-huh. and nothing happens to them most of the time nothing <laughs> happens to them yep. and like women don't get to do good things either no right bad things happen to them exactly some yeah like like i I think that because it's like it's women talking about sex at all i think we're kind of trained to try and find the progressiveness in it but but yeah there's i mean think about what titillated you at at 12 or 11 (laughs) well maybe you shouldn't think about it lock the doors Um, serious, and imagine serious like, catalog. Like the whole, <laughs> like, you're not kidding. That was the only source we had, and they were airbrushed, which sucked. But anyway, serious catalogs. You could find them in any home. <laughs> convenient. Um, no, I'm saying the country itself in the 50s was like 12 years old. Let's say, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, the mentality. Sure, sure. So that's what I meant. Like you've got 300 pages of book, but like there's one or two or three pages where it must have been well gone to meaning oh my sure. god you've got to go to that page where betty anderson says to her boyfriend rodney harrington is it nice and rodney? I've, got, I've got the quote yeah. right here so you... the, so the scene is now this is good and you might remember this andrew i don't know but this is a good like scene in the first third of the book there's like the high school dance right uh maybe the first beginning of the second book actually because she might be old enough to go to high school and i don't yeah. remember what it is mm-hmm. and uh, against all odds, Allison McKenzie has been invited to this dance with Rodney Harrington, who is like the cool guy, rich guy. Right. the rich the guy, rich son. Now, in the movie, this has happened because Rodney's dad hates yes, Betty because right. she's fast. Because yeah. Betty's fast, and she's Same not the, the she's not the so kind far. of girl that a, like a well born guy would go hang right. out with. And yes. so he's yeah he invites. So he Allison. tells he tells Rodney to go to the dance with Allison. Pretty much, right? yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Rodney and you know ducks out on Allison pretty quickly to go into his car with Betty, and you learn that Rodney is a virgin, 
and he's never had sex, and he's like, I'll figure it out when I get there. Even you though know, he's worried He's sort of, mo- like, he's worried about it, but he, like, has this reputation that probably everybody thinks he has, and he gets in the car with her, and she, like, gets them all hot and bothered, uh-huh. and because Betty's kind of mad at him, and she goes, is it up, Rod? Is it up good and hard? Oh, yes, he whispered, almost unable to speak. Oh, yes. Without another word, Betty jackknifed her knees, pushed Rodney away from her, clicked the lock on the door, and was outside of the car. Now go shove it into Allison McKenzie. <laughs> Whoa, she screamed nice. In. That right. kind of happened. Like, there's yeah. no explicit reference. There's no, like, zoom in on his to, yeah. No, not to the ding dong, but. <laughs> the ding dong. You do. There is a scene of her, like, reaching for a handbag, and you're like, oh, is she, like, going for the Jimmy Caps? But <laughs> she's not going for the Jimmy Caps. She just takes her little handbag and smacks him in the face oh. with it. <laughs> but that, the thing <laughs> is, that's Jimmy the whole Caps? scene. I don't know what that is. That's, um, it. that's it. But that's the whole scene, and that, so it's like the the, the Jimmy novel. Is our condoms. Right, we'll wait until they get it. Our condoms. Yeah. Shut up. No, just Google it. <laughs> okay. Can we move on? It's like saying it's on? like saying jazz cigarettes. It's a very like bad old timey <laughs> slang. What? Oh my god. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> great. But the reason I'm glad you read it because that's that is the whole scene. That's it. That's, that's and it. I bet I think that must have been. Like totally shocking and scandalous, like and people to look at that scene. The fact that it's even said out loud. Yeah, right. Yeah, there are like two, that she's referring to his penis, basically, and and two quite or three other like yeah. sex is happening scenes. There's the bizarre. So later in the book, Constance Allison's mother is into this new headmaster teacher guy named Thomas McCreese. Yeah. He's a Greek, Greek. gentleman. Changed the, to Italian yeah, in, in, in the, the movie. movie. Rossi is a white guy named Michael Rossi. Do you know Weird. why that is? Is that partly because of the code that says you can't have interracial relationships on Greece. screen in movies? No, or? it turns out that uh, uh, Metellius' yeah. uh, husband had a co-worker whose last name was McCreese and fit the fictional counterpart's Uh-oh. physical description. Oh. He sued her Settling for $60,000, and she had forged a release form with his name on it for the book. Oh, boy. When they they translated it to film, she played Fast and Loose. Wow. Um, When they translated it to film, they couldn't use the name. Wow. That's pretty great. It's good to know that because you'd wonder forever why why they they do that. Yeah. Yeah, Why would she not change the name of the book? Something else Greek. You don't have to like make them Italian. It's sexier. Can you, do you remember the scene I'm talking about when they, Mm -hmm. Constance and Tomas, go to the beach or whatever or they go to the lake or whatever it is Gwen oh the lake I was thinking about the scene where she gets into it for the first time sure I thought oh. that's what you were talking okay, about no it. no no no. go for it you want me to read it I don't know whatever don't you're know. talking about talk about the scene so okay well I Wait. think it's it's worth saying that for a book that's supposed to be like sexy racy whatever there is sex in the book but it is like the least sexy sex on earth uh-huh. it is like really it's either sort of like roundabout or it's rape there's a lot of rape yes. in this yep. book there's, yeah. there's um, some to the extent that there is sex in the movie that's mostly it yeah yeah well they i don't had know to if have it's had mostly a in the Lana book Turner but Turner giving into him but like you know beautifully yeah yeah <laughs> i mean just that's like how they there's some there's some it, like yeah. artful fades to but to then black, selena's situation but yeah selena's yeah, situation well, yeah. like is, is the yeah. most Focused on because it's the thread that like comes out at the end. Right. The is the beach scene so. the one where he basically rapes Constance? Yes. Okay. Where he like forcibly okay. takes her yeah. while they're after they've like been in the water together. In the movie, right. he's and- super pushy, but it's just like 
kissing and like trying to get her to just like badgering her until she consents to marry him. Basically, it's mm-hmm. it's gross and uncomfortable, but it's not to the level of of Selena's situation at all. Yeah, no, this is definitely sexual assault. I, I don't think it's completely clear what he does actually but whatever it is is non-consensual and super not okay Okay. and the way that the book just proceeds is like well this has happened and so now they're still together no problem there's a time (laughs) jump and they are married yeah and they just don't talk about it yeah but you know whether that's playing with i mean we certainly are talking about language from today i mean what what that's really saying is that she's so repressed and so frigid right is another old school term yeah for sure about sure. morals and and gossip that she's her, everything she does constance is tied up in that she, her secret cannot be found out she has to be like upstanding mm-hmm. and proprietary. sure sure so it's all at stake so what they're really saying here is that the big hot dark man knows she so she's a woman and needs yep. to unleash that sexuality but right, she won't yeah. she won't she won't so mm-hmm. he has to take it exactly and they basically that whole sex scene is from him her resisting 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 until she almost unconscious with pleasure like it mm-hmm. goes from resistance to pleasure right? because a man decided he knows her oh sexuality well, there's right. that which is not a trope like, we would accept now no <laughs> but that sense that like she you know she she's not experienced enough with this to know what she wants right, right. exactly right. he Show knows her. and then the it sort of knows. goes on that actually the scene that I was thinking about was when so after they've already been married after this huge thing happens which maybe we'll get into later about uh-huh other stuff with Allison, but there's this huge revelation and Constance winds up telling Tomas Macris her secret and he kind of like pries it out of her and it's this huge long thing and then and then he still loves her anyway and she can't believe that he still loves her anyway and he's so happy because he's broken down all of her boundaries and then she has like the first satisfying sexual experience of her life basically because oh, yeah, her secret is her off secret her she's right. unburdened mm-hmm. and so now of course no woman could possibly have good sex with anybody unless like she can fully give her heart to them and like know deep down in her soul that they can make this connection and like it's really really messed up like it's really deeply messed up and as you say that it's really uh, to a modern reader it's very messed up because you're like you you created this seemingly modern woman in constance like this kind of like she did you know she went against her family's wishes she went off to new york and like had this guy and yes she had a kid and then that didn't work out the way she wanted but she started her own business and yeah she's like she's a professional she's raising this daughter yeah, who seems to have turned out okay like she's she completely be, sexless also she yeah. like never has any desire of any kind and never uh, wants any men ever and like we can judge that or not mm-hmm. but like <laughs> the idea that she is then complete because this man like mm-hmm. froze her unfroze her heart is like, yeah, that's, as you say it out loud, I'm like, oh, that's even grosser than I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, the other thing that's even grosser is that I, I think that actually of of all of the characters in this book, he's presented as like a really good, upstanding character. One of the closest. Yeah. yeah. And he talks about his first sexual experience when he was like 14. Was this in the movie where he rapes no. a woman in a tenement bathroom? No, he does not talk and about it's that just presented movie. as like, well, uh-huh. this is how men have their first sexual experience. This is rape yeah, a man, random like woman that he doesn't know in a tenement uh-huh. bathroom. And it's real. And it, it's sort of like used to show how he had this like base childhood sure. and was growing up in poverty. And it really, and this is, this is part of what I, meant when i said it, i didn't know how to feel about this is that it's it's written so straight like it's written so just like factual there's right. no judgment coming 
from Grace Metalius that you can kind of see that you're just like, what am I reading right now? Yeah, like in, in the movie, he's supposed to be a virtuous character too, but like you see him pressuring Constance the whole time. His He rolls into Peyton Place, and I don't know if this is a thread in the book, so there's this thing where the principal of Peyton Place High is leaving. Yes. And... um the person who everybody in the class or, you know, everybody at the school thinks is going to get the job is there is a woman who's been teaching them yeah. for like years mm, and years. Elsie. Yeah. And then, and then this dude rolls into town and like takes the job from out from under her basically Can by I being yeah. like a decisive man. And also because the one gossip character talks about how she takes sleeping pills. And do we really want oh, somebody who, I don't remember that, but yeah. I re- the one like sort of homoerotic thing I thought was in the book was the way that the, so when Thomas McCreese comes to town, the way that the like trustee or whoever it was like submits to him. Do you remember that? Yeah. So like, yeah. Okay. Wait, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. So we're going to walk it back. We got, I also, <laughs> want to make sure that we cover like selena's arc oh, yeah definitely yeah no, I, was, I was just like i was i was bringing that up to say like our first impression of this dude is that he rolls in and takes the job of oh, a more qualified right. woman yeah. which is a big 2018 mm-hmm. that's a mood mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. but she doesn't really want it in the book yeah in the LC. book she doesn't really want it and in the book like mccrease is like solicited to come to town mm-hmm. to move to town sure. by this in a guy. way that, that emasculates leslie harrington so yes leslie Les- Har- oh that's right leslie, leslie harrington. harrington is the he owns the mill the lumber mill and throughout the book there's this kind of class warfare thing where he can control he's like potter from it's a wonderful right. life um so he can if he runs everything he runs everything he's if, rodney's dad rodney's yeah. dad okay. yeah he can you know at one point he covers up uh rodney getting a girl pregnant gets betty pregnant i think right um, because he calls in Betty's dad who works for him and is just like, here's the money, and if you don't take it, you're fired. Jeez. Like, he's he's that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and he basically controls the school board and all sorts of stuff. But they basically force him to hire this guy, McCreese, because there are no other options. And he does kind of submit to him when mm-hmm. McCreese is like, whatever, pay me double, like, put me up in a house, like, I'm going to deal with it. But when McCreese comes to town, I just made a note that, like, I wondered if he is Gaston. So I'm just going to read this. <laughs> um Tomas McCreese was a massively boned man with muscles that seemed to quiver every time he moved. In the steel mills of Pittsburgh, he had looked, so one smitten secretary had told him, like a color illustration of a steel worker. His arms beneath sleeves rolled above the elbow were knotted powerfully, and the buttons of his work shirts always seemed to pop off under the strain of trying to cover his chest. He's like the dude from a cover of an Ayn Rand book. (laughs) He was six feet four inches tall, weighed 220 12 pounds stripped and 12. looked like anything but a school teacher. What? Hot man. He was a handsome man in a dark skinned, black haired, obviously sexual way. <laughs> Sure. I mean, you know what it occurs sure, to me? Like, sure, just sure. the fact that they, that, he, that she's talking about a body, like a male yeah. body, period, must have been, like, startling. That's, like, yeah, now that's true. In, that's a good in point. Our current age, like, if you ever are tootling around the internet and, and just happen to find sexual things on the internet, I'm always amazed sometimes, like, oh, they're actually doing that. They're actually mm-hmm. showing me that, which is titillating in and of itself, because sometimes you think it's only in your own head. So it's much simpler in this book, Peyton Place, but just that description made me realize some people could have been like, oh my God, like Like a shirt busting open because his chest is so massively muscled. It must have shocked America, you know? And there's a lot of very kind of 
bigoted <laughs> language about the fact that he is Greek mm-hmm. and like this kind of darker man. Rougher. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of the there is not a person of color in Peyton Place, but it is named after an escaped slave who got a bunch of money from France and yeah. and then built a castle. Mm-hmm. That that's not a point in the movie. It's just everybody is white, and that's and it looks like they probably cut that out completely. About it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and everybody's a little bit avoiding of the subject of how Peyton Place got right. its name yeah. because it's after a black man sure. slave. Yeah. Sorry, Gwen, you look like you want to read there, something. Just about... before I do, before yeah. we move away from Constance and on to Selena Cross, um, I this I just I couldn't resist this part. She loved him in the way only a woman of thirty-five can love a man <laughs> when she has never loved before, wholeheartedly with all her mind and body, but also with fear. Constance regarded Tomas McGreeze as the embodiment of everything she wanted and had never had, and she was afraid of losing him. What made the situation even more difficult was the fact that he loved her. He loved, she told herself fearfully, the woman she appeared to be, widow, devoted mother, respected member of the community. (laughs) Isn't that touching? Wow. (laughs) As only a woman of 35 35. could be loved. What is that? See that's the I mean, that's like the pulpy that, standard uh, issued language. But then when these other those other scenarios like with Norman under the porch and the cat strangling are pretty. It's really weird. Not that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kept mm-hmm. waiting. I was. Yes. That's the that's a good <laughs> way to way to think about it because this book that scandalized the nation. I was waiting for it. It to, shocked America. It, sorry, Can you please <laughs> um, get it. Right. I was waiting for it to feel more, for lack of a better word, bodice rippy. Not that yeah. you know, bought it since the 1930s, bot- <laughs> yeah. New Hampshire, but no, it never quite gets there. Mm-hmm. It's this like it's much more about sleepy town secrets, and then like all those secrets like tie back to sex, but it's not about like let's it's not a feel good titillation, right? Right? right. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah good, that's good a really point. good way to put it. Yeah. It's not it's not feel good at all. No. And it's it's so funny that this was like the book that was known as hidden under everybody's mattress, right? Because this isn't it's not like Marquis de Sade or like something where it's it's something that like kind of was legitimately scandalous. I think it was scandalous, but not for the reason that you think right, it is when you're getting into it. It doesn't sound like it's sexy. Right, it's not no, romantic. Not. No. You're right. I think it's not, it's yeah, really it's not romantic. For writing sort of these like sort of just dark she went there scenes and yeah, that's probably the pleasure that yeah. people had looking yeah. at not so much like ooh I'm thrilling to this right. scene right. but like can you believe that like she said shove it in her I mean like things yeah. like that <laughs> <laughs> oh, so like Selena's whole deal yeah who wants okay. to take Selena's whole deal do you want to take sure I can Go take Selena's deal you're a Selena fan I think I am a Selena fan she's she's the closest thing I think that you kind of have to a hero yeah, for in sure. this novel. I don't think she's the stand-in for Grace Metalius the way that Alison McKenzie is. Um, you know I she's think based that... on a real story, right? Yeah. Yes, I saw that um, in the foreword. Maybe um, you want to tell us the real story before it's I It's just, go. yeah. So briefly, there was um, a, a girl named Barbara Roberts, who is a 16-year-old girl from Gilmanton, uh, where a lot of, which is where Metalius was living, and a lot of folks saw themselves in this book um, and got very upset at her. And Barbara Roberts murdered her father, Sylvester, after years of sexual abuse and buried his body under a sheep pen. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like the talk of the town and probably that corner of the nation at the time. 
um, and that directly inspired Selena Cross. Yeah, that is it is very direct. That Jeez. is like completely lifted exactly <laughs> detail for detail. <laughs> Selena Cross murders her stepfather, who has been sexually abusing her for a long time, mm-hmm. and buries his body in the sheep pen with yeah. yeah, with the help of her brother. But so it all starts with them, with Selena and Alice and his children, and you sort of see her starting to grow up, and you see her in this dysfunctional doesn't even begin to describe it family where her mother who is this very like ineffectual abused woman in her own right um is has sort of just given up on life basically and can't protect her her children selena and then joey her younger brother um and they live in this shack one room shack one room shack right? right and selena is kind of developing early and her stepfather um So Selena is very kind of self-possessed, even from a very young age. She's trying very hard to save money. She starts working in an interesting kind of like mother-daughter thing. She starts working for Constance in Constance's shop while Selena's mother, um, what is her name? Nellie Cross. So Nellie Cross starts working for Constance and spends a lot of time with Allison as like a house cleaner in their house, which is like an interesting little switch. But so Selena is obsessed with all of the like beautiful dresses and everything in Constance's shop. And she's very, you know, she takes really good care of herself. She falls in love with a, a sort of good boy in town, Ted Carter, mm-hmm. who we can also talk more about later. Cause yeah, he's I have a worthless about piece of Ted scum. Carter that I want to read. A yeah. Little bit. Um, but so as the story goes on, um the her, the stepfather Lucas who was really and this is also a thing where Grace Metalius was forced to change uh the fact that she had originally made Lucas Selena's actual father um and it was like the one change I guess that she fought from the publisher this is in the forward uh that she argued about because she said okay now you've taken my book and you've made it trash and so but I think they had to stick with the change because the the publisher felt that it was just too scandalous to have Lucas be her birth father. Um, but sure. so the, I guess the compromise was that she was six months old when Lucas married Nellie. Right. And so that's still your father. <laughs> like, yeah. So when he does. It's, imp- it's the only father she's ever known. He does impregnate her. Right. So he. Her. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he impregnates her. Right, we're going the whole way. Right. We're yeah. telling all the spoilers. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. So he impregnates her. She has an abortion which she is, which is performed by the town doctor. That's that's like the one time he has like this whole, like I have never broken a law. Right. Except all those times I played poker. Hmm. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I've never broken like a medical. Maybe I can break this law maybe. And then he like conscripts a nurse into keeping the secret. Yeah. And he hates religion, which is a whole other thing in in here. Movie. It's like, it's so Lucas like chases her through the woods and then she like falls down. And so she's going to have, a oh. miscarriage uh, anyway whoa so, are you no. serious yeah no and so he like presides over this and is like hey we're gonna write this down as an appendectomy but it's not explicitly whoa that's like, no, a huge change she comes to him and is like yeah yo there is there is a scene earlier where she comes to him and he refuses to do it oh, oh no not yeah. in the, so not it was the too scandalous in the movie they, got, they didn't is, yeah, do this it is, yeah this well, so no in the book there is no talk of miscarriage she is like in his office saying i need this i want to die i can't do yeah. this and he is so consumed by fury at the stepfather mm-hmm. that he does it willingly they go to the hospital he he implicates this nurse who that actually was a really nice little yeah. piece of writing yeah, i thought I that like was that. one of the right. one of the most right. like clear moments can we just t- for yeah. a second yeah it was very and again that's those strange details that that she might have encountered but like 
the nurse, who's a very sympathetic, interesting character who mm-hmm. gets implicated in this abortion, as she's mulling it over, she's also contemplating that her thighs are chafed. Yeah. And and are bothering her. So yeah. as the nurse is sitting in her nurse's uniform trying to like open and close her legs under the dress of the nurse's uniform and complaining about the chafeness, she's talking, thinking about the implications of the abortion. Mm-hmm. What is that detail? <laughs> I, That's good. About abortion as she's opening her. It's, I think that detail is good writing, though. I do too. Actually, I agree yeah. with you. But I also can imagine reading it in the fifties and being like, sort of like, where am I supposed to be putting my <laughs> yeah. feelings? It like, is a really that? interesting juxtaposition. But that, like that kind of detail, like, mm-hmm. yeah. is sort of like very memorable. It's yeah. very human, right? But also I'm- like a little like. Not salacious and unnecessary mm-hmm. like for us for us to be contemplating the, the act of abortion and then think about between her legs mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. anyway. so that's and nurse. it's also it's not even just the act of abortion it's like she's contemplating the like divine retribution for abortion yeah. too like she's really getting They're into the catholicism right yeah what were you gonna say Andrew? no i just i i looked up the exact sequence of events so selena goes to or uh yeah selena goes to the doctor tells him what's up he refuses to give her an abortion. Then he goes to confront Lucas and gets like a written confession out of him. Mm-hmm. He, he like takes a piece of paper and says, hey, you need to sign this. Um, and then after that, Lucas, because he's mad that she told him, chases her through the woods and she falls down. And then and then and the appendectomy miscarriage thing happens. Okay. So like wow. it, it's a lot of uh, very careful like acrobatics that they're doing to make it less scandalous i, I guess yeah. yeah you could not have abortion in a movie and right world, yeah so. like it, yeah. it's it's marginally less scandalous while still retaining like the secret incestuous. scandal of yeah. of mm-hmm. the like yeah. pseudo incest so, yeah so he does dr swain i think his name is yeah. he dr. does swain. get swain. the confession which mm-hmm. convinces lucas to leave town yeah and then kind of ruin and the thing that swain kind of carries throughout the book is how he's like ruined this family's life yeah uh, and like brought destruction upon the town too. He blames himself for like a whole bunch of real bad stuff that like starts all, all happening. All sorts of dominoes that go yeah. all the way back to the abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Even though he feels strongly that he did the right thing. Yes. Um, he doesn't regret it, but he feels like he there's all this payback now. Sure. Well, I mean, but for a long time though, Selena's life gets better. Yeah. An older brother comes back. They. They fix up the, the house. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's all great. And she and Ted Fireplace. are full steam ahead. It's yeah. when yeah. Lucas comes back to town. Mm-hmm. So before things get so before things get bad for Selena, I want to read this passage about Ted Carter. So okay. Ted Carter is a good old boy. And he he goes on to become like a lawyer or he's going to go study to be a lawyer and stuff like that. And when we one of the first times we meet him, um, he's, you know, the town. Oh, this is good. Nice boy. Young Carter is said the town. Like to see him make a go of it with Selena Cross. She's a nice, nice enough girl for a shack girl, right? Yikes. And his parents have like a whole backstory that's yeah. kind of wild, yeah. where like his mom like married a rich old guy, and then the old for guy the died, money. so they had the money, and they're very proud of their money, so they're they're looking after Ted. But Ted, Ted Carter's was the kind of body that older people look upon with satisfaction. Mm. Things can't be so bad, they said, when this country can produce young men like that. (laughs) 
In the summer of 1939, when the stage whispers of war in Europe were already audible to the pessimists in America, those who believed that world conflict was inevitable could look at Ted Carter and be comforted. Things won't be so bad, they said, as long as we have big, healthy boys like that to send to war. Ted Carter's got a MAGA body. That's what I'm saying. Whoa, oh, yeah. Ted Carter's got to look back to the past and feel good about the good old days body. I want to actually... <laughs> Does she describe? She doesn't really describe women's bodies, does she? Like she describes Mac McCreese. Sometimes Ted. she'll the talk pregnant about pregnant sex body. She describes quite a bit, or like a, a nurse with chafed thighs. Apparently, yeah, <laughs> sure that was in the movie. She talks about it breasts. Was, one breast was not. pop up. Yeah, <laughs> they as, do the, as they yeah. tend to do, literally, yeah. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> right before, right before uh, Rodney Harrington's untimely end. Well, all right. That's well. Let's Ted let's, Carter though. Ted Carter in the movie. Mm-hmm. First of all, Selena in the movie is blonde and yes. ethereal. In the yes. book, oh. she's dark and sort of has a feisty. Don't sure. mess with me. Mm-hmm. But it, Hope Lang in the movie is very much like victimized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a fighter. But mm-hmm. um, Ted, that's a shame. And Ted sticks with her to the end. In the movie, she doesn't want to tell about killing Lucas because she doesn't want the fact that he raped her revealed because she'll feel like Ted won't want her. Interesting. Because yeah, in, in the book, in the movie, she doesn't care. I feel like, wasn't it doesn't it have something... Is Ted like studying to be a lawyer? Is that what yeah. he was? Okay, yes, yeah, because yes, yes. he doesn't want it, she doesn't want it to reflect on his like practice or and he doesn't want people not to want to associate with... I hate yeah. this movie. <laughs> <laughs> She's so... So, yeah, so, yeah, so right. like Lucas comes back mm-hmm. later in the book. Yeah. Right. He comes stumbling in in a blizzard and he's dressed in this Navy uniform and they didn't know that he had joined the Navy and he comes in and he tries to rape her in front of the fireplace. In the movie, it's literally Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) They like tear down a Christmas tree when they're like fighting. It's Oh, jeez. That's bad. But yeah, so she gets a fireplace poker and she lifts it above mm-hmm. her head and she crashes it does down. Selena have a, does she have a little brother everywhere. in the book? Yeah, Joey. Yeah, okay, cool. yeah. Um, and he helps her hide the body, bury the body in the sheep pen mm-hmm. outside, just like the real story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for a while, nothing happens, but you know that this is coming back. At a zoning meeting. At, yeah. right. That's where all the At good the stuff happens in yes. these small towns. Yes. She like asks a question like, so if zoning passes, yeah. do we have to get rid of the sheep pen? <laughs> like, later, one of the lawyers is like, that was a weird yeah. question. That's a weirdly yeah. specific question. It was also have, weird that the little brother had all the sheep slaughtered in January. in January. Like, why would he do that? And the guy's like, do you really don't like your shoes anymore? It's like, I hate these sheep. Right. Take them. Just kill them. I don't want them when anymore. Before, you'd been like, I love my little sheep. And then, yeah. I know. They should have had a giant arrow pointing at the sheep and saying, the body is here. Right, right. I, really, I like that, like, the law about zoning would change and so you would dig up the body in your yard. Like, it, well, yeah. I guess if it's illegal to have this body here, I just, I guess I have to dig it up. Okay. I did appreciate that zoning thing that as a, as a prospective local politician, I'm sure yes. you did too. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, there's some crazy stuff happens at those uh, local yep. meetings about zoning. Got zone. Yep. They, they refer zoning, to zoning zone. is what's keeping, characters... a, keeping a grocery store yeah. from happening in my neighborhood right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Zoning. Zoning Great. is super important. Uh, one, of, one of the characters remarks on the town hall meeting. I think it's McCreese. Because, like, at his first town hall meeting, he tries to, like, say something. And they're like, are you, aren't you new? Shut up. <laughs> Do you even go <laughs> here? Are you new? And then later, he's, like, remarking on how, like, 
the town hall meeting is like the last bastion of true democracy. Right. You sure. know what? That did remind me of Gilmore Girls mm-hmm. a yes. lot, oh, actually. The town hall scene? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Yep. Taylor the town hall meeting. Like, Taylor talking about exactly. zoning. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because they're always like looking at Leslie Harrington to like object to this thing that he always does. And then I was, I was picturing Taylor Dosey in sure. my mind. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, yeah. So the Selena case gets right. I think she gets. She doesn't go to jail, right? She gets off because yep. they they tell what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, which means that Doctor Swain has to admit to the abortion. Yeah, right? yep. he confesses. Yep. And they talk like no one's going to send him to jail. Is right. what they say. Right, right. Because um, he's upstanding and white. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Correct. Uh-huh. No, true. Um, and then there's like two more major acts of like violence in the book that I yep. both thought were like. Rather glib? But wait, before you move on to Ted Carter in the movie. Oh yeah, sure. They're unwavering and Selena and Ted end together. Selena in the in the book says to herself, He's not coming back to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's his career is gonna be too important to him. He's not gonna wa- need he's not gonna need a wife. It's flipped almost from mm-hmm. the movie. He's not gonna need a wife who's who's involved in a murder. He's not coming back for me. And he doesn't. Yeah. And, and she's and very the, she's a little bitter she about it, but she's also self aware. Yeah. She's like He's not strong enough, mm-hmm. and in the yeah. movie they make it. He's so yeah. So in, in the movie, what what ends up happening is um. So Doctor Swain gives his testimony, and he's got the signed confession, and like it totally makes it. It doesn't clear her because she did kill him, but it does make it like cool that she killed him, <laughs> I guess. But before that, Allison has given, I guess, what amounts to like a, a sorry. She's like a character witness oh. or something, and so she gives this big speech about. Or like Dr. Swain does this too. Like they, they both like sort of attack the town's like insularness and like the gossips and oh, the, and the, that's an interesting way to yeah. put that. Like how the town is like Dr. Swain gives us, gives us thing where like this, it, the town is too conservative and like hard on its young people. And it kind of pushes them away when, when we need them around here to like build up our community. Yeah. And so when Selena comes out of the courthouse at the end, like everybody's there, like patting her on the, on the back and like being supportive and, and like making it clear that she's like welcome back into the community again. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. interesting. Part of the reason that Selena, I think is so easily dismissive of Ted Carter is that he has not signed up to go to war. Sure. So that like he's oh, still in college right. and he's like, I want to stay in college because I she care about our future. Real hard for that. Real hard yeah, for that. Got which bone, I like bone spurs or something. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was like, no, I'm going to finish my college education so that we can get married right afterward. And she's like, mm, like not when all these other strapping young men well, actually, who are such a like perfect vision of society Mattel's are off are going good, off to yeah. war. She does that rather rather well because she makes it like how relationships are so ambiguous because she Ted knows that about Selena. He yeah. knows that Selena has criticism of. of him and he says when the war is over she'll forget she'll forget about it i'll be a lawyer it'll be cool Mm -hmm. like just all the things we do to keep our relationships going that we sort of just say i can't really take that in too much because it'll make me worry and feel Mm -hmm. bad about myself as a man and it's interesting how it's very that's why there's no one fully likable dislikable because they're they have that ambiguity yeah the book doesn't the book i don't think ever comes to that point that you just mentioned andrew where it like indicts these people directly yeah Mm. no the movie definitely does by Mm. kind of doing what you're talking about frank it just kind of like lets that all hang out and you can think about it and like decide how much you dislike these people or Mm -hmm. not but there's no there's no like atticus finch standing up being like yeah and then there's even like a, a a little bit where you where you stay on the gossip lady's face for a minute and she like does she's got this look on her face that you really know she's reflecting on the bad that she she personally has inflicted on this community by being such a gossip (laughs) 
<laughs> it doesn't happen. Like that's the last you hear of Selena. Really, yeah. uh, is yeah. she said, "Yeah, Ted's not coming back for me," and that's the end. That's it. Yeah, there's yeah. no happy ending. No. Hearing you say that makes me like the book more. It makes me like, yeah, the book is allowing for a much more ambiguous, interesting, ambiguous and nuanced. Yeah, because the the movie needs to have a, it's got like Allison and uh, Constance sort of reconciling, and that's where they do reconcile at the end. But they, but they actually do it in a really toned down way that McCreese makes fun of, where they look at each other and are and like one of them smiles and then the other one smiles and then he's like that's all we're getting like that's that's it yeah. and they're like yeah that's it so right. yeah so like what the end end of the book allison has gone off to new york to be a writer right basically kind of repeating what constant did mm-hmm. constance did which like if you've seen the episodes of Gilmore Girls that they put out a few years ago, and it all repeats because that's, I guess, how that the stories like work. Literally one year ago. Really? I know it feels like <laughs> I felt like ages. Yeah, ago. no, it yeah. was it was a um, year ago, like almost to the but day. But like, she <laughs> fulfills what her mother did, basically, where she kind of falls in love with this other guy. Exactly. And but married. does she get knocked yeah. up by him and then name the kid the same name no. as the no. guy? Okay, because no, <laughs> he uses whatever those things are called. Jimmy Caps. Thank Jimmy Caps. you. Jimmy and yeah she comes back and then they they reconcile but the the two things that happen that i just was like i could not believe they felt like a different book mm. sort of one is so like we get but they both contribute to the downfall of leslie harrington our like rich lumber mill boss dude mm-hmm. and at one point he owns this carnival. He like oh, he bought what a, a see- oh, he bought yeah. a he's like not in the movie at all. He, in the movie part. there is a yeah, carnival and the, he's yeah. sort of presiding over yeah, it, but he he's run yeah. it. No, no, he he, he like gives a it. he gives a long speech where everybody has to laugh at all the jokes he makes, sure. but it's not. Hmm. <laughs> and so it's it's mostly to to back up this impression given throughout the movie that he's just like a big time muckety muck. Yeah, and so the the town is dealing with a fire. Yeah, that is like all the working men in town are busy like trying to fight this forest fire and the the carnival operator brings the carnival to town and he's like, I don't think this is a good idea. It's Labor Day and there's a fire and Leslie Harrigan's like, no, people need distractions. Get them in here. They're going <laughs> to yeah. spend all the money. Right. And the kids are like on the carousel like with like ash in their eyes. Yeah. And, and like, you can't, so you can't see the top of the Ferris wheel because it's in the smoke. This is not how this Forest carnival fire. goes down in the oh, movie. Oh, but you know what even happens? Uh, uh, Allison stops being friends with Selena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not close friends to the end. She mm-hmm. she actually develops a new friendship with Kathy. This girl named Kathy is Kathy, Kathy not, not even in the, the movie. movie at all. She's like an artistic friend, but and she's also like no. She's also the friend <laughs> like that dance. knows what she wants from life. She's like, I know I'm getting married to this guy, Lou. I know where I want to buy a house. My family's never been able to buy a house. Yeah. I want to buy a house and I want to have kids. She's like, I know what I want. Yeah, and she loves. She loves Peyton Place. They're in the fun house. Get Here, this. Do you want me to read it? In the fun oh house. Oh my god, Gwen's yeah. got the And this is what happens in the fun house okay. of the carnival. Um. The wind had come up and it had begun to thunder. So, Kath, oh, wait, I'm sorry, that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> so, so it, like, this is a crazy passage because there's. There, so, the, the okay. main thing, short story. Let me do, let me do the setup. Yeah. So, like, the carnival yeah, the is, under, is understaffed. 
and there are things that sure. are like not working the way that they should. It sounds and like, like all carnival. Yeah, and like there's like people running machines that aren't trained on those machines. You see what's coming? And like under the funhouse, yeah. well, for some though. reason that I don't understand, <laughs> there's like gears under the funhouse because the funhouse walls. That's and what makes the fun thing go. <laughs> And Kathy gets kind very curious about these gears okay. under the ceiling, under the floor. Yeah, here and we go. So it's like in the middle of this big paragraph where, which doesn't have a narrator. Like it's it's a whole paragraph of exposition, but there's like these rhetorical questions that are being asked in the passage. So here we go. Um, after all, Witcher, who was like not a real character, he's like a one, one of the, the people who sets up the carnival, right? Sure. Hired. Uh-huh. He was only one man, and he couldn't be ever at once seeing that everything was as it should be. Now, could he? The kid should never have gone near the opening. She had no business there. She was in a funhouse, wasn't she? She should have been busy having fun and not gone poking her nose in where it didn't belong. Oh, look, cried Kathy. See how beautifully all the wheels go around together. Oh, look, Lewis. Look, Allison, said Kathy, and leaned forward for a closer look and fell down into the machinery. The other young people began to move hastily out of the room, for they had been well taught the danger which could result from being called upon as witnesses. What? Very interesting sentence. Lewis and Allison began to laugh in the way that people laugh at a drunk who steps happily in front of a moving truck or an old man who slips on the ice. Lewis squatted down on his heels and tried to reach Kathy's hand, but Kathy's hand was on the end of an arm that was no longer attached to her body. Allison laughed and laughed as she made her way out of the funhouse. She shrieked with laughter when the wind machine blew up her skirts over her head and she was still laughing when Tom came running to her. She clenched the front of his skirt of his shirt and laughed until she cried. Kathy fell into a hole in the floor. She screamed, laughing so hard that she could not get her breath. Kathy fell and her arm came off just like a toy doll. What is Isn't this? Isn't that horrifying? <laughs> what even is the point of this? It became an R.L. Stein novel for a <laughs> no, second. Exactly. Not even R.L. Stein. It'd be like one of the Fear like Street. Fear Street. The Fear <laughs> not Goosebumps. No, not, Fear no. Way I mean, too. This is way too much for Goosebumps. There. She wanted to go to the mo- like the most like un- uh, seemly violence. Mm-hmm. And like like you said, it's unsexy sex. That mm-hmm. sucks. I, I hate that. There was a there was and a, she lives and she actually she lives happily ever after. She marries the guy Lou. They have kids and she's happy. Mm-hmm. But, but she, she lost an arm. arm. Yeah, and sure, all the okay. town feels bad for her. And that's partly of Harrington's downfall because they start saying Harrington should have given her more money and he doesn't. Yes. And Kathy doesn't care. She's like whatever. And there's also this comment. Sorry to be so on brand here with the motherhood stuff, but like there's there's this <laughs> comment where the, where somebody says to her, "Well, you don't need two arms to push a baby." Cat. Carriage, and then later, like like fifty pages later, she's pushing the baby carriage with one arm. You're like, well, guess we're taking that literally. And she's like, perfectly happy. Yeah. Like, I think what it would be carriage? harder to push it without two arms, though. I yeah. believe it would be not impossible. I've certainly, pushed a couple baby carriages <laughs> just to <laughs> test them. Yeah, yeah, just to see how it feels. Well, no, when we were hanging day. out with our, our friend Catherine, I was pushing yeah. around her baby, sure. and mm-hmm. somebody in the Whole Foods complimented me on the baby, and I said, thank you. <laughs> That, you can't take credit for that baby. It's I did. Baby. Oh. So, I want to get back to what you said, Frank, because there's a there's a money settlement where he gives her like twenty five hundred bucks, right? Uh, and everyone's like, should have been thirty k. Yeah. And later she's talking to Allison or or someone, and she's like, you know, if they'd given me all that money, we might have gone traveling. 
and we wouldn't have lived here anymore. And we just love it here in Peyton Place, <laughs> where I have one arm and a baby. Like, <sighs> but even so, I thought that was very self-knowing about her. She's like, I love sure. it here, and I want to stay here. And if the thirty thousand might have messed our lives up. She's actually talking about how money's going to mess your yeah, financial life point. up, that's which it point. did with Grace. Yeah, that's foreshadowing. And it would have made us a little crazy. We would have tried to roam farther afield, and but we're so happy. Mm-hmm. Which is like, thank God, someone's happy in this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. At that point, it was just like, I uh, guess. And yeah, I don't like <laughs> this. Everyone else. Like, I don't like this Kathy thing at all. Are we still are we still talking about Kathy? Can no, we we're done with Kathy. No, okay. She's not even in the movie. No, she's not. I can't believe she's so not in the movie. We do need to kind oh of wrap, but I I need we need to talk about Rodney. I also I also about. have yeah. one okay, so I have a line from movie Rodney that we can talk oh, about. Whenever us. whenever you want no, to talk about No, but we're gonna say goodbye to Rodney in a second, so let's celebrate. Okay, so Rod- Rodney dies in, in the Second World War. Uh not in the book. In the movie. You're he kidding. Okay. Yeah, he dies, he gets kind of a hero's death, and then there's this th- not even here is that he dies in world war Two, and then um the dad what's his name harrington leslie. leslie leslie harrington comes over to betty and like finally accepts her into the family and it's another like grace. And she, she, it's wow. another that's a huge no, no she's not she it's just, just no, in the family. yeah it's just another like grace note. and because they got married um, yes right because right. they got married against his wishes but it, they everybody gets kind of a happy ending either way but so there's the scene pretty early in the movie where they're at allison's house for a birthday party yeah and constance has relented and allowed allison to invite betty and everybody from school and they are all they all end up dancing and necking right mm-hmm. Ooh. with the and lights down low with the lights down low and so dancing to in the mood <laughs> and constance comes in and sees allison and rodney kissing and gets really mad and then rodney says we're just playing a game called photography you turn down the lights and see what develops <laughs> Which number one is the best line ever? <laughs> that is the best. Wow, the best pickup line ever. Do you want to play photography? Let's turn down lights and see what develops. Yeah. That's amazing. But also, my dude, read the room. <laughs> That's not the thing that you say to the scandalized mother who has just come into this situation. Kicking no, everybody out. In the book, they're playing a game called Post, Post Office. Post, Post Office. Office. Where, like, is that a real game? I don't it know. Is, it is. Really? Have where, you played this Frank, game? How do you play it's Post like, Office? <laughs> it's, 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 I, I, it's a bar game. Like you actually, everyone has a number, and if I am three, you could actually send a message to three, and it goes into a box, and the postman says, "Message for letter for number three, and I'll go over, and you'll whatever you said to me is like oh. you know, you're cute or something. I'm number seven. I think Weird in this game, game telephone. the messages are Similar. just kissing. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, message for number seven. In photography, well, it's think, just yeah, like you you go and you neck with it's your like a with your bow seven in the in sitting heaven. room. Yeah. You basically get, if oh, seven minutes. Three, in we'll heaven, go off yeah. out out sure, in the hallway. Yeah. Sure. Three minutes and then come back. Um, so Rodney does not <laughs> see what meet, develops. Rodney does not meet his untimely end in World War Two. Um, he still has does not he, like fall into the. Oh God. No, he still he's has like not, hot air ballooning and he falls into a vat of lava or something like the joker yeah he is not First of all, betty is out of the picture betty's gone she yeah. tried to get money out of leslie because she is pregnant oh, no. and and harrington plays her and she's just like hell with you guys and that's it she yeah. leaves okay. and huh. betty anderson um, rodney's like hooking up with this l- girl named helen and you know rodney has failed out of school and he's just like creeping around 
<laughs> Peyton Place. <laughs> also goes to girl after girl, and he says in this thing is like, he's, if Helen doesn't put out this time, I, I'm moving on. He's but like, he's fine. also a virgin, and he's like he's, making this huge deal about how he's like slept with all these women when he was out at prep school, but actually he hasn't, and it's a lie. And he thinks that Helen is finally gonna put out, and he's mad that Helen's like, buy me a hot dog. He's like, I'll buy you right? a hot dog, but you need to put out. <laughs> She's like, I said, buy me a hot dog, Rodney. <laughs> and then so they're in his. <laughs> car they're in his fancy car driving down the street and she uh says how are you gonna say this i'm just gonna read, read it okay. i'm just gonna uh, just read it Craig. Yeah. look at that she said cupping the breast with her hand no bra i've got the hardest breast you ever played with rodney raced the car motor violently in his eagerness to be gone from the drive-ins parking lot helen did not rebutton her blouse but leaned back in the seat leaving her breast exposed every few seconds she in- inhaled and sat up a little running her hand sensuously over her bare skin flicking her nipple with a snap of her fingernail. Rodney could not keep his eyes off her. She was like something that he had read about in what he termed, quote, dirty books. <laughs> he had never seen a woman so apparently enamored of her own body before. And to him, there was something wicked, forbidden, exciting about it. Let me, he said, reaching for her as he sped along the highway toward Concord. She snapped her head away from him quickly. Look out! It was a scream of warning uttered too late when Rodney recovered himself enough to look up. The brightly lit trailer truck seemed to be right on top of him, killed while looking at boobs. <laughs> Boobies equals death. He, he died as he died as he lived. So That's Andrew, the end of Rodney, and and that can probably what? take us to our final talking point. This is like Andrew, maybe in World I'm... War II, he's up there in the plane, and there's a. <laughs> He has his best girl up there with him, and it's just the same kind of thing. Andrew asked me what kind of sex parable this story was. I did. This was like halfway through the movie. Where so like that, I guess like one of our least likable characters meeting their untimely end during almost sex or a sexy act. I Is guess kind of brings us sex to you. Have you had in sex the context before? in the context like, of the book? It is almost sex. Okay. Um. Is that what this book is? We've been talking a lot about how it's not that, right? It's a, it's, is it, a, is it an indictment of small town life? Is it a sexy fun time book? It's not a sexy. It's not fun that thing. No, no, I, I think it is. It. Arm. I <laughs> yeah, no, I think it is an indictment of rich people who own mills and their families. Definitely. I think that, and like, weren't her parent, weren't Grace Metellius his? his Grace Metalius's parents mill workers. They I think they were. So yeah. I think that she has some serious anger at mill owners and their entitled sons. Probably uh, rightfully so. Sure, 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 um sure. and so they're all meeting very terrible ends. Yeah. Um but I don't it is not that clear cut what it is, which you again, you have to give her credit for that. Like to wrap this up, like this book is not a clear anything of anything. Well, I mean, you said when you were just de- describing Grace Craig, you said she was a brassy housewife. Like there was elements of her that was not happy where she was. Not she was chafing to bring back the thigh motif. <laughs> sure, uh-huh. uh, under her role, and I really think the whole book is about being as she's like I. Those scenes that we talked about, like with the chafing and then the cat being strangled, like they're also <laughs> unique and surreal in some way. Mm-hmm. I think she really wanted to make it as ugly as possible because she really hated the hypocrisy of town yeah. life. Sure, no, but she does sure. make it clear, and she makes it almost like you can never escape. She says when Allison goes to New York, New- Allison says it's the same thing in New York, except gossip is published in newspapers. That's a good point, rather than over the back fence. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was a that was not a thing I knew. Like apparently, like Peyton Place took on an, an idiomatic 
function that yeah, I'm sort yeah, of yeah. not. I've never heard it used that way, but no. I, apparently I, Senator Lindsey Graham said yes. it in the late '90s during the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Is this the White House or Peyton, Pl- or is this Washington or Peyton Place? Yeah. That is the most <laughs> Lindsey Graham that, thing yeah, that wow. I think I've ever heard. I don't think it's been used since, but <laughs> I know he ruined it for everybody. <laughs> no, we can't tell that joke anymore. The end of Peyton Place. Um, but yeah, I just it isn't tidy. Which mm-hmm. is like both a good thing and I think perhaps a sense of frustration for the modern reader. It mm-hmm. is certainly yeah. not what you think it is. She well, doesn't. It's, it's, she gives Selena a painful arc and doesn't reward her in the usual sense, like true. they do in the movie. Sure, yeah. but in a way, yeah. But Constance, yet who I did not find likable, mm-hmm. uh, gets everything really. That's true. Yeah, yeah I was just. I was, it, well, it, Constance it is... does, or Allison does. Constance gets a guy, and she's made up with her husband. She has um, to stay in this daughter. awful place, though. And she just has She's this dress shop. I don't think Constance is happy at all. She's getting it from a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, maybe she's happy in that way. You know, he's six I think, four. I his think... chest bursts through. Two, like, 212 pounds. Two, uh, those two pounds are all the difference. Not yeah. 210, 212. You know where those two pounds are. Yeah, no, those guest on buttons. He's like, I got you two pounds right here. All right. Andrew, you were going to say something else. No, I was just, I, the, the movie, which Metalius hated, It's I find I just it's interesting to hear you guys talk about the book and see like the wisps and shades of what she was doing in the book that ended up in the movie. Oh, sure. But also how hard the movie tries to give everybody kind of a neat and pat Mm. and happy ending Mm. who deserves to have a a neat and pat and happy ending. And I didn't get, I didn't get to talk about this during the show, which is fine. But, um, there was this code in, uh, in Hollywood during like the thirties, forties, fifties, especially called the uh, Hayes code, sort of governed what you could have on screen in a movie and not. And there's a lot like people who do bad stuff, get what's coming to them. Like you show Lucas drunk all the time, but never actually drinking. Like you fade to black instead of showing sex. Like it's a lot of the changes were made to like conform to this very specific. Similar to the comics code, which I know we've talked about. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, it's, some some things that that Metalius was trying to do still like survive though, which is yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Some of the some of the more poignant stuff in the in the book, I think, kind of does make it through, but it's just it's very neutered. I yeah, I mean, you have to pair off of in, its sloppiness. In the yeah, like that's the ultimate of happiness is ending up married. So right. Yeah. Norman and Allison are together. Uh huh. Uh huh. Constance and that Maurice. is the weirdest yeah. thing that Norman and Allison end up. Yeah, together. like he's he's very he goes off to war and becomes a more right. like self possessed young man. Does he get like fake injured? And, That's oh, what right. happens in the book. He has he a couple gets... purple hearts, but you don't like see it ever. Oh, do you know? In the... But they're real. Oh, did you know? This is the guy. Did you know? <laughs> this is Partridge. That in the book, Norman. The mom faked all the his uh, medals because he had a nervous break. Yeah. He had a nervous no, breakdown. He had a nervous breakdown, and she didn't want the talk the town talking about him mm-hmm. being a nervous boy. Wow! No. And so she made it all. He had a big hero's homecoming. Comes home with a fake limp. Jeez! No, in the movie, he just like he goes to World War Two and he gets away from his mom, and he becomes more like confident in ways that he was not before. And <gasps> oh, so... because moms ruin everything. You know who plays Norman? No. R- Russ <laughs> Tamblin in the movie who played Riff in West Side Story. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Interesting. So. Gwen, yeah. Gwen is like making this face like this book <laughs> attacked her and she needs to punch it back. I, I know. Did, I, it does make me feel a little punchy. Like, yeah, not, sure. not in a happy way. Yeah. Like, it does. There's, we didn't really get into the like mother child dynamics here, but there is some real indictments yeah, of some suck. real bad parenting yeah. in here. And like, pretty much every parent, we didn't even really talk about Nellie Cross, and yeah. Just, yeah. who is like, 
the saddest character yeah. I think in the whole yeah, book ends up hanging herself in right. Alice's in in Alice Alice bedroom closet with yeah. her yeah. robe. Yeah, with her robe, right? Yeah. After she and Allison have an argument, and like it's really, I I'm gonna wager that the author had some issues with her mom. I think it's a pretty <laughs> yeah. safe bet. Um, but it's really there is like a really serious indictment of motherhood and fatherhood actually that yeah. runs the whole way through this book. It's really it's really hard for me not to pick up on because it's just like very it's very damning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she does, Metallius does say certain things that shows a philosophy. Like she says, the doc says at one point, like, I think I just, he's drunk at the end and he, he's taking on the weight of the world. And she's like, I think one thing that would change everything would make everyone's problem go away is we stop blaming other people for our own fears and insecurities. Mm-hmm. And that's like part of that small town hypocrisy. It's mm-hmm. like the gossip in the movie is like also one in the book. And she'll change her story depending on which way the wind goes which way the deck the deck is stacked yeah yeah and it doesn't matter and it's like that freaking hypocrisy that drives her crazy grace metallius it seems and everyone's a victim of it yeah i asked over the course of about the last week i've asked like a dozen people if they've read this book especially people who are book people or who are really particularly interested in this time period and no one has read it there was huh. I only found one person who had read it and I was really curious like there were only four copies in our system and none of them were checked out mm-hmm. like I was really I'm really curious to see if more people have read this and if yeah. they have thoughts about it because I, I feel like the staying power of this book is maybe not so not so much like I do not print. it's still in print but I don't think it's being very widely no. read no. it's not like Gone with the Wind or sure. to Kill a Mockingbird or something like that well, from the I, same I era yeah like- Maybe its its value at the time was in how like shocking it was, and now like we have no we have no shortage of of films and TV shows with like unlikable characters mm-hmm. and with like messy unresolves like loose ends and like a mm-hmm. lot of the stuff that the book is doing have just been like replaced by newer versions of that stuff, and mm-hmm. so maybe people feel like they they need to go back to this less. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. There there are whole right. whole genres of TV shows and stuff that are dealing with similar themes and characters. Yeah, it did make me think of Tales of the City, the the Army Stad Mopan book. Yeah, it's like yeah, and he wrote he wrote a whole bunch of them, and they're wonderful. They're actually really great. Um, but it's very much like it's they're set in an apartment building and so you're getting these like vignettes and then they sure. all intersect and mm-hmm. there's I, I can sort of see the DNA of that in this maybe a little bit I don't know mm-hmm. yeah that's why I wanted to suggest reading it to like, read the book that everyone knows the name of but really doesn't know what it's about yeah. or never read it sure. the one yeah, person yeah, I found the one person I found who had read yeah. it fairly recently did it because of that Vanity Fair article huh yeah huh. Yeah. All right. So maybe they'll make that movie. Vanity Fair article. (laughs) I don't think he read it recently. Well, if any of our listeners have have read this book, uh, you should write in and let us know. Yeah. Um, So you can do that to overdue at overduepod at gmail.com or using our Twitter or Facebook pages at overduepod. Um, Gwen and Frank, thanks for joining us. Thank you you for having us. This was really awesome. How do people find your show? When <laughs> they look part. at me meaningfully, do you know? like, I do know. It's okay if you don't know. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're supposed to do your spiel. No, no, I just I liked the look you gave me. That's like obviously I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> so you can go to nypl.org/podcast and see a rundown of all of our episodes. You can also find us on Twitter at nypl recommends. You can go to Jefferson Market's Instagram. 
and see them. <laughs> um, and yeah, you can search for us on Apple Podcasts and all the normal places that you find podcasts. Right. The librarian is in. Yes. Oh, thank you. The and librarians are in Philly. And yeah, we really yeah. like it. We're, We're staying. Eating cheesesteaks, yeah. getting hangovers. Oh, man. <laughs> we won't tell. Who, uh, yeah. Andrew, if folks want to know more about our show, where should they go? Uh, they can go to overduepodcast.com and find links to all of our episodes and to our Apple Podcast page and Google Play and our RSS feed and all those other things. I don't need to go through the rest of the No, that's right it. Now. You got it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon. I don't know when this is airing. And until we see you again, try and be happy. Try to be happy. Thanks, everybody. That was a headgum podcast. Okay. All right. I don't know these notes are mine. Yo, let me just stop. Let me just stop and take a look. Stop collaborating (laughs) this. All right. I was proud of myself for not doing the Fresh Prince thing when you guys said West Philadelphia a minute ago. Born and raised. Yeah. (laughs) Both of my parents grew up in West Philadelphia, actually. I get it. And a couple of guys, they were up to no good. Started making trouble in the neighborhood. One little fight, my mom got scared. You're moving in your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. I hope this ba, ba, makes the ba, final cut. Are you recording? Yeah, we're <laughs> perfect. Ba, 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 I'm so, so glad. Ba, ba, ba. All right, so we just get started. I was just doing that thing. Yeah. <laughs>